Hello, goblins and ghouls, ladies and gents, people. We are going to give you quite a cast today. It is Book Record Beer Season 4, Episode 12, the last episode of the season. Welcome to the autumnal season. I am Nick Mahawk, and as always, I am surrounded by great friends. Uh, firstly, one Nick Gregorio. Say hello. Oh, hello to all our fans. <laughs> Daniel DeFranco, <laughs> say hello. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He gets a new mic and he's just too cool for school. <laughs> and uh, we are welcoming uh, our great friend Kaylee Tedesco, a prolific poet, author of many books, and inspiring educator. Say hello, Kaylee. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for picking this very awesome cast that I uh, I think I say with the utmost confidence, and these guys would agree, um, would never have been picked if left to our own devices. <laughs> um, yeah. Just yep. even the individual components, I don't think would have made it uh, into our consciousness um, on our own. So thank you very much for broadening our horizons. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, of course, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we are, what are we going to talk about? We are looking at um, Death Industrial Complex by Candice, uh, is it Will? I think I actually looked it up. It's Wuel, I believe. Okay, yeah. Wuel. I was way off, way <laughs> off. <laughs> I like saying? panicked about it. <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't have a word. It was just like, Whoa. Yeah, W. <laughs> U E H L E, yeah. Just um, didn't say it. We are uh, going to be talking about the band Purity Rings, uh, 2012 album Shrines, and we are going to be drinking Southern Tears Pum King to just make it as autumnal as possible, um, and as as wacky and uh, not really wacky so much as ghostly, haunting. <laughs> I'm very uh, very excited for that. So. Um, those of you who, who may not know, Kaylee is a uh, poet and, as I said, the author of many, many books. These Ghosts of Mine Siamese she used to be on a milk carton and uh, more recently Lizzie Speak. And I am especially excited because um, I feel like this book uh, has echoes and, and sort of similarities to Lizzie Speak a little bit. I don't know. Did you did you find that uh, when you were reading it? Yeah, I um so this book I went a long time without reading just because, you know, school kind of got in the way of a pleasure reading or whatever. And um I just saw this book getting reposted on Twitter over and over again and I didn't know anything about it, but I was just drawn to the cover and um I always pick yeah. like a favorite poetry collection of the year and I was like 3 pages in and I was like this is definitely my favorite poetry collection of the year. It's it's really good. And yeah, I think um there's like a review by Tom Snarsky on Empty Mirror and he calls what uh, Wuel does like seancing and mm. I love that so much and I think that's something I try to achieve in my own work as well. So so yeah, super into it. Yeah, if your name yes, absolutely. If your name was on this, I would have thought that this was a Kaylee book. <laughs> so. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I think I think she's phenomenal. I think she has a novel coming out later this year too, so I'm excited oh, to see what she does with fiction. Yeah, wow. I forget the title, but yeah, super excited. There's a complexity, but there are sort of these touchstones of certain poems um, that for me gave you like kind of the keys to the kingdom or the uh, the rules by which to read it. You know, you got a, mm -hmm. a, a glimpse into sort of, 
I don't want to say the way that she's writing because that would be a little obtuse to say, frankly. But like you get to see um, where the mind's jumping. And mm -hmm. I, I thought that was really, really fascinating. So I am going to give a little bit of background because we what have we done? Maybe two poetry collections, I think. Um, I think this is our second. Yeah, this is. So we, we don't do many. So I want to give because uh, it's it's not as like straightforward as this is what a novel is about. So I'm going to actually read the back um, because I thought that was really can I ask and, and you made a, a lot of sense. Can I ask you a question first? Me? Yeah. Absolutely. If you were to introduce us as young artists. Oh, thank you so much for reminding me. Who would those young artists forgot. be? Those famously oh, young wonderful. artists. <laughs> yes. So one thing that we do need to know um, is that much of this book, um, and, and that's, uh, I think I am going to read the back because it actually helps us with understanding how I'm going to introduce you this way. Nicely done. But thank you for reminding me because I actually would have forgot that. So uh, it says, and it's Wuel. I, I right? believe, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Candace Wells' uh, Death Industrial Complex is a meditation on the cultural obsession with the bodies of dead women and an occult invocation of the artist Francesco Woodman. And so Francesco Woodman was a, uh, an artist who did photography, who was a, a photographer primarily and also primarily worked in self-portrait. Um, those are the ones that seem to remain and, and, and hold uh, sort of the most... Uh, weight with audiences but interestingly like she died at 22 and left 10,000 negatives and probably like over 800 prints right so she has this wealth of work that was left behind and um, you know she is uh, a suicide as well so there's this like very um, complex thing and I was um, it is a little morbid when you're looking for how someone died because um, I remember the first time that really struck me in terms of suicide was Elliot Smith's passing um, because that was so brutal and the man you know stabbed himself twice in the heart and and it was just it was just so overwhelming um, and plus I was in college when it happened so I was very cognizant of it and there wasn't I and I didn't do too much digging but I couldn't find um, her cause of death and I felt like that actually would have been helpful and I think that I feel like well knows um, just due to some things that were mentioned in the book. So I just want to put that out there in case uh, we do get talking about that with certain poems. But uh, because of her um, sort of like huge body of work and also, uh, you know, she was she was kind of like a rock star at Rhode Island. Right. That's how uh, some people described her as like sort of a rock star in uh, Rhode Island School Design. Correct. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. 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 And so um, she died young. And so if I were to introduce this cast uh, as uh, famously young artists. This is this is how I would introduce you. So here's my little spiel. Thank you, Daniel, for for the reminder. So I'm here um, for call out your um, shortcomings. Yes, my uh, my misses, my mistakes, my trips and falls. Uh, I've picked up on that over four <laughs> years. <laughs> so here we go. Famously young artist, a la Francesca, um, Gregorio. You, my friend, are River Phoenix. Because, oh, that's uh, fucking awesome! There you go. Look, I just made his, I just made his fucking day. Um, I feel a lot better. Well, you know what? It's it, it it really did stick for me because he's like he's even as a kid he had like these sort of like tough guy characters that he played, but we know he's like this sensitive teddy bear and just like sort of the complexity that River Phoenix, uh, you know, embodies in my mind anyway, uh, relates to you pretty 
pretty directly. So that's you, very wonderful. Thank you, my you. friend, a river. Uh, he had way better hair than me. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, <laughs> as an Italian, it's tough for me to agree with you there because I, I I'm a I'm a fan of your curls, dude. Thank. I got those um, Ruffalo curls going on right now. You're right, though. He did have just like pretty natural highlights. I think just he had some silk. flowing locks. Yeah. <laughs> silk. <God. All> right. <laughs> we gotta stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kaylee, Kaylee, I, uh, I would, I would introduce you as Kate Bush, um, because I, I think that she, you know, famously young, mm. but like from the very start, she possessed like this very clear sense of self and like. A personal aesthetic that that I always thought blurred the line between like her her real life and and sort of an artistic persona. And I know wow. from like uh, the moment we we started our cohort and everything, and just reading your stuff, I was like, oh, this this woman knows exactly what she's doing here. Like she has a very <laughs> clear aim and purpose. And I I was very much like a deer in the headlights. Like I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. I like music and stuff. And so <laughs> oh it God. was very it was very cool to see somebody. Um, so self-assured and um you know and and you're even you know significantly younger than myself too so i was i was always very impressed by that um well so thank you you're, it doesn't you're feel that way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, thank I mean, you that, that's <laughs> one guy's interpretation and um daniel mm -hmm. you sir are fiona apple uh because she bridged sort of like that classical proficiency and knowledge of music with the angst and anger of Gen X, in my estimation. So uh, that, I think, just is you a little, maybe even too on the nose. But that's, uh, I, that's, where, that's where you landed for me. My only wish for myself is that I can one day be the person that you think I am when you do these introductions. Because <laughs> some of them are like <laughs> way cooler than how I am. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, Daniel's Gen X angst and anger often come out as like a curmudgeonly <laughs> I don't know if you've met many people from Gen X, dude, but that's pretty much. That's it. At this point. That's it. You give them a few seconds. Then how can things. that be called anger? That's just mild displeasure. <laughs> like Walter Matthau. Yeah, right. Um, so Nick Mahalik, if I was introduced you as someone that was a uh, famously uh famous young um i'm going with anton yelchin uh for a couple of reasons okay uh check off. one of your uh what check off say what yeah he played check off in star trek oh yeah yeah i'm get, okay yeah i'm getting there i thought you were talking about like check off like check off no. the other anton yeah yeah there's, there's <laughs> another check off <laughs> um for your slavic heritage Oh, thank you. And um, you've profused, profused numerous. L <laughs> oh, it's been a long fucking day of talking, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this cast can be remembered as, like the, the day after a long day. Oh, my God. Of like the first week or two of just talking into a microphone to a screen. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Dude, my, first day in the new world. I got a fun story about that after this introduction. Um, so uh, you have uh, professed numerous times your um and i agree with you the superiority of the chris pine star treks over every other star trek so that's why that, yeah you know thank you i, I appreciate what did you just say <laughs> <laughs> he's giving he's using my introduction to and, fuck with <laughs> and a lie to uh, get under your skin sir 
you and just you're just, you're just fucked me up, it. man. I'm so mad. <laughs> I actually think I do uh, might believe that. I do think I might. You believe? Oh, I might like. You're the dumbest man I've ever met. <laughs> That's the thing. I, got, I feel like I'm taking things way less seriously than I used to. I don't know if you guys are are feeling the same way. Like with the students, especially like I'm making time to give them just time away, like thinking time and, and different things that I, I didn't previously. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's very interesting when I was looking back and just to tie it back in at Woodman's sort of like life, she's at that certain period where like, oh man, like just when she lived it, it is sort of like almost utopian for artists and the opposite at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's such a weird, I don't know if anybody else, uh felt that that way but just like to me it was the first thing that made me think of it was the mass of work she left behind she starts photographing at 13 she dies at 22 it's nine years and ten thousand negatives um yeah yeah Kelly, she's like she's like the like the emily dickinson of like um photography rather and I feel yeah I mean I think looking at her work I actually was not very familiar with Francesca Woodman until reading this collection and then that kind of sent me yeah which I think is super cool um but it sent me down like the wormhole of her work and everything that she's done and I just feel like she's like totally ahead of her time in so many ways and um you know, obviously her death is, is such a tragedy. Um, but what she was doing with self portraiture and being like a young woman and kind of taking control of her image and, you know, the book comments on like fashion photography in sort of like an ironic way. And I just thought it was so cool that, um, you know, she's kind of deconstructing fashion photography and she's doing all of this interesting stuff and reclaiming her body. And I just, I was talking to my sister about it earlier and I was like, if she had an Instagram today, like that would, she would just blow up like instantly um but you know she struggled instead in the 70s she was struggling in the early 80s to kind of get recognition for her work so it's definitely interesting yeah i mean she passes in 81 correct yeah right yeah and then Mm -hmm. her her stuff doesn't even see a show until 85 um yeah and it's this it's this massive sort of thing and it's it's funny because she she's regarded as like the um the one who inherits uh, Man Ray's throne and, and sort of the last modernist a lot of people are calling her and, you know, like critic, like serious critics and stuff. I mean, she had a show, what, in, in 2012 in the Guggenheim, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And it just kind of blows my mind that all when you look at the photos, it's 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 just squalor that she's taking these photos in. I mean, these 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 images are absolute squalor. I mean, you talk about walls falling down, and it's not contrived. It's like the space in which she inhabited. Um, so I thought that was yeah, I agree. That was really fascinating. And when we look at what the poetry collection's doing, um, I really wanted to to talk about that for a moment because like when we're when we're looking at just even something like the title. Um, death industrial complex like and we look at her her work and then the collection itself and how it's it has these four movements essentially um that are i think working somewhat chronologically do we think that the the book is and this is where i struggle because and and i i would love to to hear your thoughts kayla because i know especially with the lizzie book um there there is some crossover here and i was wondering like you know, is this, this isn't found poetry. Um, this isn't after poetry because 
she's not a poet she's a photographer right and i was wondering if like this availability widespread availability of streaming services that we can watch a zillion documentaries and learn about all these obscure interesting people because for me she was obscure until i you know and i think if you're not into photography like that you may not know her um or into the visual arts anyway and so i was wondering if if we're seeing more of this in poetry and in the literary arts um where people are sort of latching on to these other artists and finding a way well i guess lizzie she wasn't an artist that's more that's way different <laughs> she's a murderer artist yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's a murder artist a murder um, artist yeah yeah <laughs> you can't really sew a good skin suit unless you know what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> wrong there sir <laughs> but, but i guess my point is like is like i am seeing a lot of this where where it's like art influencing art and when you talk about an after poem or whatever um you know that's of course where the the poet is usually in the title and and there's clear references and, and stuff like that um but what are your thoughts on that with with, with taking uh, an artist of another art form and sort of like having such a, a deep connection that that you are you do a thing your thing um kind of about their thing i think um the fact that the occult plays a role in this book is really telling. And I, it's not that I don't think you could do this kind of poetry with the, without the occult, but I think the kind of art of seances through poetry is perhaps becoming more common, which is excellent in its own right. Um, but I think that there's definitely, you know, when we look to the past and especially when we're looking at like women's stories or marginalized people's stories, I think that there's so much to tell. And so, this collection sort of straddles it's like ekphrastic it's elegic it's revisionist it's like all of those things at once and i kept yeah. thinking um as i was reading like I, I struggled with this with lizzie speak and i wondered if um candace Wuell struggled as well but like the idea of consent in sort of channeling voices of those who have passed or those who can't speak for themselves and um I just feel, you know, with this collection, I think that she does such an excellent job of giving a voice that seems, like I said, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with Francesca Woodman before, but it seems like I was able to, you know, as reading these poems for the first time, I was able to really visualize who Francesca Woodman was as a person. And then when I looked into her, everything kind of validated that. So yeah. you can tell that I think it's just handled with like a ton of care. And um, I mean, ultimately there's a poem, um, I forget which one this is. What's it called? Oh, yeah, On Becoming an Angel. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, this is one of my favorites. And um, Will says, um, Francesca already knows. I can't tell yet if we are the same person. And I just, I really love that because the mirror plays such a role in this book as well as a symbol. And just when you're working, I think, with this kind of poetry and with trying to kind of invoke the voices of those who are no longer here, I think the lines do get really blurred between the self and that other. Um, yeah. And I think it lends itself to its own kind of, I don't know what you would call this genre, but I think it's becoming like its own genre as a whole um yes. yeah and I, I hope to see more of it i think i think it's a really interesting technique for like inspiration and also just to kind of it's cool to learn about the poet through someone else so it's a cool yeah. like biographical tool as well yeah i i i i totally agree because i was finding myself more interested in woodman than i was in Wuell. Um, as I was reading it, which I thought was a fascinating thing, because typically it's the opposite when I read poetry, especially, you know, I'm really interested in, in 
sort of like the psyche and the the experience of the poet and how this how they were open to this coming through them kind of thing yeah but she's she's writing about an artist i feel like these poems can absolutely stand on their own but once you know about woodman like it really is you finally get to a place where you can meet the poems where they're uh you know where they want you to be yeah and i think it, it kind of removes a little bit for me like you know kayla you called it uh perhaps a burgeoning genre um and, and i i would be apt to agree just because i've been seeing so much more of it um and primarily from female authors as well female poets um and it's it's it is really interesting to me because i i frankly uh, my first thought was like, oh, maybe it is this wide availability of all these documentaries. And now we're being exposed to all these things, maybe. Um, and But maybe not. And the the idea that for me, anyway, if I'm writing a story, I find that oftentimes it's different than writing poems because poems, you almost feel like you're a conduit. I, I find sometimes um, and that that sort of uh, lightning or like that unknown that takes over um, is 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 more heavily present in writing poetry than it is in writing fiction or something like that, or even memoir or something. Um, and so with this happening right now, I I was wondering, like, do you think that perhaps, you know, like you say, the occult and these, these various things that are far older than even like the religions that sort of dominate our space now, um, do we think that, uh, and because perhaps it's a lot of, um, women poets that are, are writing in this way that they, they've they're letting go of perhaps traditional religion and and things that have similar s- symbolism and and different you know sort of touchstones that are similar to the occult and they're going further towards that older um place i don't know that's not a very good question i apologize yeah but I, it's kind of no, that's I, what i was thinking about while i was reading this I think, yeah, I think that's like when Woodman was creating, um, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, I feel like that was also a time of like alternative religions were starting to become more prominent. And, you know, now in 2020, we're definitely seeing that kind of like a resurgence of that idea where we see more people kind of dabbling lightly in like the occult and witchcraft. And so I think that there are parallels, you know, in both their lifetimes and, um, and I think that speaks to a lot too. Just, you know, people are, we're, it's two different time periods where people are kind of seeking some kind of truth, but they're not really sure, you know, what that truth is or where to find it. And that's kind of where the occult steps in because it's just so, it's so vast. So there's a lot of truth to be kind of mined from all that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so I guess one of the things uh, that I wanted to, to look at is, in reading the the text, um, to me, my one of the first notes I made was that this reads like a conspiracist wall of thumbtack string with the photos of Francesco Woodman hanging mm. at various points. And I was wondering what people's, what everybody's sort of initial reactions were to, to this collection, because there is a linear aspect to it. But in terms of like how it's set up to me, that, that was what I saw was just like this wall <laughs> with all this, you know string and then a few photos in there okay um i don't know i i really like that description nick that was good um i i kind of felt like there was a like an like an inherent voyeurism involved like looking on um and like putting yourself into a situation that you're not there actually um and i find that fascinating 
like not to say that I'm going to be climbing trees and looking into windows. It's just like oh, it's, voyeurism as a as a thing. Yeah, like <laughs> like to to like yeah, and I I think um, that was really what I took mostly because and and we've talked about this before. Like the gaps in my education are mainly poetry, and I really only started reading poetry five years ago. So. Like stuff in this was lost on me, which was a bit of a shame because I was fascinated by the language. Um, but like the the spacing out of letters and words, um, yeah. and like like all of those choices, I was just very curious to see what what everybody's uh, take on those was was because I don't know if I necessarily can make one that would sound intelligent. <laughs> you know what? The, and I. I... I wonder what everybody else thought too, but the spacing for me was to mimic the long exposure of Woodman's photographs. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt God like. God damn. You know? Um, and I was wondering at, at first if that was what it was, and then I started noticing which ones she chose to do it in, and it seemed to line up. I don't know if anybody else thought that, but that was No, yeah. that's, that's really <laughs> Not good. Not at all. <laughs> 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 the room is split. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now that you said it, I'm going to uh use that as my own thought. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna stamp my approval on that one. Daniel's just gonna be introducing this book to people like and if you notice the words the <laughs> wording is such that she'll spread them out. And you know what? Much like a long exposure. <laughs> you know what I did? I did have a question about though, and I, I wasn't as confident with is is um, which poem she chose to sort of invert text and underlay text. That mm. I I I didn't ever land on something that I felt confident was like, oh, that makes sense to me. I don't know if anybody else was thinking about that as well. That was a that was a choice. Yeah, sometimes poets yeah. are just gonna poet, you know? They're gonna make <laughs> silly <laughs> ass decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's just for fun. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah we just yeah. like fucking around. Yeah, just messing with people. <laughs> Every word's important yeah. except for this one, bitches. <laughs> You thought yeah. you knew. <laughs> Wells gonna listen to this and just be like, not only are they saying my name wrong, yeah. but they got no fucking <laughs> idea why I'm making these choices at all. I think like the mimesis here is just genius, and um, like I think understanding Francesca Woodman's life, um, kind of like you said, Nick, with like the exposure and understanding how she took the photographs, it adds so much to what Wuel is doing with words. Um, but I kind of took the the inverted um, words as as being representative of like a mirror. So like it's kind mm. of mirroring the words of the poem. Um, and I noticed that like that happens more towards the end, um, yeah. which makes sense, I think, because that's like the ascension and that's like the two selves are kind of merging into one. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I was really I'm into that idea as well. I have a hard time pulling that off myself, but I think she did such a good job at making that all kind of come together. Yeah, 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 I agree. And it's it's funny, too, because I, I felt silly. The, the only thing I kept landing on was, um, you know, when you're in a band, you typically will screen print your T-shirts. And so I made a bunch of screens and I would print them. And, you know, you, you, you're frugal when you're in a band as well. So you typically won't be putting on as much ink for, like when you see how much the first one is, you go, oh, I don't need to put on that much. And, and it, to me, it looked like when you make a, like a copy, when you try and use, the previous shirt's ink on the next shirt 
and it doesn't <laughs> necessarily come through as dark or as heavy or as clear. Um, and that's what I kept landing on. I was like, there's no way that she's screen printing. And like, that's the way she's thinking is like, <laughs> but then I was like, maybe, maybe a copy of a copy or perhaps uh, the idea that um, Woodman's work was, was so powerful and strong and what she's attempting to do um, is, is strong in its own right, but, but maybe unable to, to, to meet what she's b trying to uh, write about, perhaps. I don't know. Right. Perhaps that's yeah. too critical. <laughs> Might be. Um, do we have any? Did we have any uh, standout um, pieces in in the collection? Uh, things that we just we thought were um, really really tremendous. I so. Okay, so I'm not going to answer your question. Uh, okay, do it. You know, you can be a poet on this yeah. and just do you just poet. You do what you fucking fuck do, man. Um, what I found engaging is this character of Vince. And I don't know enough about Woodman's life. I only, like, started looking her up last night. But there's this character sure. of Vince that I'm assuming was important to her. And I think a couple are all the... So, Kaylee, I don't know if you know. For whatever reason, I'm just making you the resident expert on Woodman and Will. Um, <laughs> are all the titles of the poems also titles of Woodman's um, photos? I don't think so. Okay. Um I do know in There's the back of the book. Some of them are. Yeah, okay. in the, yeah, in the acknowledgments, um, some of them are taken like from her journals, mm. the titles too. So it's like her own words coming through. Okay. Um, but yeah, it sounds like there's definitely like a mix of Woodman's own language happening in the collection. Okay. So I, I was really drawn to this idea of this character of Vince, whoever this person is, of um, it's, it's, it's like they're, con what do you call the person you confess to? Their confessor? They're, yeah, yeah, priest. <laughs> priest, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to. But I don't want to use that. Um, whoever the person. I was kidding. So that works. Well, <laughs> I got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, the the priest is is the is the confessor, I believe. But um, neither here nor there. Whoever this Vince is is the person that um, Wuel is in conversation with as Francesco Woodman. So mm -hmm. I, that was different. I don't know, like a different portal into the poems. It's like who is this? Who is this? To you know, we're, if you're yeah. actually addressing someone, it's not to this ethereal audience. You know, it's to this person, Vince. While at the same time, it is to this audience that you know you're reaching, you know, beyond the page or or the veil or whatever you want to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do we yeah. know uh, who Vince is? Because that is um, the title of uh, one of. Is that the one of the more famous? That's one of the more famous, or one of the earliest self-portraits, right? I mean, in terms yeah. of like ones from when she was becoming popular, she got older. Yeah, I think it's like talking to Vince is the name of the portrait. I don't know who who Vince is, but it, the portrait is like an ectoplasm, like oh, yeah, coiling coming out of her mouth. Yeah. yeah, so definitely, like you said, like kind of it's like this reaching beyond the veil. So there's like these layers of complexity of like Wuel channeling Woodman, who's channeling Vince. So there's definitely it was like really uh, cool a lot happening there. Yeah, that but that poem to me was I, I think I was mentioning it earlier is sort of like the Rosetta Stone. Uh, for me in into sort of um getting a little bit inside the head of of the poet because she has that um like sort of succession of lines of uh that she has the telephone in her stomach and 
no one can hang it up but her right and then that um it jumps to uh you tap on the walls until you know the hollows you can get inside the architecture and that to me gave me a really for whatever reason clear view as to um her mind at starting point and and then where it goes and where it goes and where it goes and sort of like um the visual jumping that happens in in the process of her writing uh and I saw that sort of like coming back as I read through, like that kind of jump um, from this to this to this and that kind of way where it's uh, super internal. It's uh, issues of sort of like control and, um, and, and maybe inhabitants and possession and then, and then uh, sort of like uh, a way to break through that and break it down. Which, you know? which and, poem was and, that? And that? That kind of went through um, throughout the entire collection. I thought that was really cool. It was like, like I said, like for me, it felt like a Rosetta Stone of, of actually tapping into the rules of how the poet operates a little bit. And it's not universal by any stretch, but, but that was really helpful for me because that doesn't usually happen for me until I've read it a number of times. And that kind of happened right off the bat, um, which I thought was, frankly, really, really helpful. And it made me think of this idea of possession and inhabiting someone else. Um, that goes throughout as well because obviously she's tr trying to do it. Our poet is, is trying to do it. And um, the thing is, is when you look at Woodman's work, there is this idea of uh, sort of not being possessed and, and, and uh, sort of not being inhabited by someone, someone else. And I don't know if anybody else felt that, but that, that seemed to stick out throughout for me. Yeah, I definitely um, felt possession. There's even like the poem Matricide. Um, and, um, you know, the, the speaker's kind of referring to Woodman or the self as like this mother. So like a body inhabiting another body and kind of... Um, I like that matricide happens towards the end, so it's kind of like the the exorcism of that possession and kind of doing away with the, the excess body. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. the whole book... Um, like you all were saying, I also felt like it was super linear, which is weird for an experimental poetry collection. You don't usually see them as being like <laughs> yeah. very laid out, um, but it is, it's like a very, it has an arc. There's like a story happening here, which is, which was helpful for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it almost follows her, her like very short life mm -hmm. too, you know, like from, from those early portraits of, of uh, self portrait talking to Vince and then, um, uh, beyond to some of those later ones mm -hmm. you know um just when you what was the one gosh darn it i um i forgot the the title of the the self-portrait that's one of the last ones she did and it, it shows up as one of the last titles of one of these uh, poems as well in any case um yeah what uh anything else sort of like strike us throughout the collection i feel like we're hitting a lot of the major yeah. so major themes of this one of the most interesting things and i don't i don't have an answer for it yet i need to spend more time with this um i just interesting one of the most <laughs> intri <laughs> um i just got this last week so i haven't had you know the start of the school year i didn't get much time to um kind of revisit but uh they're not some of them aren't in order Mm -hmm. Like Frater, like we start with the third one, and then yeah. it goes to two, and then one eventually. Like as we go, it's like a countdown. So I was like, oh, maybe it's a countdown, but they're not all countdowns. They like bounce around because other poems in here are numbered. Um, 
Right. So there's even this like internal conversation within the different parts that um, I also found kind of fascinating that, you know. Uh, I, yeah, and I think like it's cool that she starts with part zero, which I've never seen in mm -hmm. a poetry collection before. So yeah. like numbers themselves yeah. are, are definitely very strange. And yeah, it's a weird contrast to having like a linear story, but then the numbers are kind of signifying that it's not linear at the same time. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, I don't know. I My interpretation, which you know might be way off, was it kind of felt like the story began as Francesca Woodman was alive and that's kind of like the part zero. And then she sort of comes into herself in part one, which is where, she, you know, on becoming an angel too is the first poem. So she's sort of becoming um, herself in the afterlife and then it kind of works like time starts working backwards but the story is still going forwards um, like Tenet <laughs> <laughs> no one's seen that yet it's a Chris you. Nolan movie no in a poetry collection it yeah. it's not the spoiler they tell you that in the first five what minutes what is Tenet right, I've yeah. heard a lot about this but I have not seen it it's, an, it's a new Chris Nolan movie that uh, plays with uh, quantum physics uh. which I really get off on and um people can reverse their entropy thus run backward through time oh cool i love yeah. it it is fucking <laughs> rad it's the, it's the first major release that they don't care if people go to the theater and die that's a <laughs> i saw it in a um movie theater parking lot oh, nice. oh that's awesome okay that's uh, really cool. cool yeah i retract my previous statement <laughs> you big dick <laughs> that uh well i gotta say Kayla, that um, that was super helpful. The ignoring everything Nick just said. All right, Kayla. Yeah, that I mean, well, <laughs> no, that's totally valid to do. That's good. What more to be said? Um, but it is really interesting to to think about that. It I, I really didn't think about that. It's starting at zero. I just thought, well, that um, that's interesting and moved on. But that makes a lot of sense now that you spell it out like that. That in fact. Because she's so young. That was the thing that got me every time I was reading this is just to be so young and to have such a huge body of work and such a huge influence, you know, um, it's like, what are you, Richie Valens? Like, wow, it's it's amazing. And um, and so, yeah, that, that really that really makes a lot of sense. And it's funny, too, because uh, I was having philosophical conversations with some of my students, which I was going to ask you, like, if or would you would, would teach this collection. Um, but... Uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, sort of like meaning of life and different things like this and in just a, a broad sense. And one student brought up the idea of like a butterfly and um, how as a caterpillar, that's sort of like life on earth a little bit and just like, you know, the struggle. Uh, and then there's this sort of like holding phase in the chrysalis. And then, in fact, it's still on planet Earth, but it gets to fly around and that's sort of like heaven for it. Oh, wow. And um it was a pretty interesting thing because then he was trying to relate like what our winged um, time period would be or, you know, these different things. Um, but that, that's, you know, the connection for me was that like she, she really was a caterpillar for a short amount mm -hmm. of time. Yeah. And this idea of living <laughs> for the long, like she's been living now at this point, she's been living uh, as a ghost for longer than she was alive on planet Earth. Yeah, almost twice That's as cool. long at this point. Yeah, yeah, and she yeah. even you just sewed it up for us, bud. <laughs> I did not. I riffed up a Kaylee. <laughs> no, that <laughs> which is far more articulate and direct. I, she even has the lines though, like you're bringing up wings, and she talks about how um, 
she's like afraid when she gets to heaven someone's gonna have the same wings as her or something like that and there's like that humor so yeah i like that caterpillar yeah, to butterfly humor. yeah that's cool i like that way of looking at it yeah yeah absolutely and i guess would you i was really interested in in if um, you would teach us, and if so, how, how you know, like, would you mm. go about this? So I've actually been thinking about that. Um, I don't get a lot of opportunities to teach poetry collections as a whole, which is unfortunate. I hope that changes eventually. But um, I do teach the Witch in Literature class, and I think that I usually like to pull, like, excerpts from different poetry collections, and then I make, like, a little anthology to share with everybody. Um, but I think poems oh, from cool. this, yeah, I think there's so much you can kind of analyze. I feel like... I don't know. I read this collection like three times just in anticipation for this podcast because I was like so nervous I was going to miss something. So I just feel like it's really easy to overthink it. And you could probably spend like a whole day going over one poem if you really wanted to. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to kind of pull what I can and kind of bring it in. And um, I think Francesca Woodman's work really ties nicely into what I'm sort of teaching as well. So I think it would be cool to kind of bring it all together that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if if a student wanted to, like, if they started reading this and they got real into this idea of sort of uh, inhabiting or, or, or channeling uh, uh, an artist they really admired or, or looked to, um, like, would you encourage them to, to pursue that? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I kind of hope we see more of this. Like, this isn't really something that I feel I could get sick of. It's, I think it's, I don't know, it's a cool way to kind of get inspired um, to write. And I think the most important thing would just be, you know, consent, um, as much as consent can be achieved with something like this. But um, I, like, with, like I said, I kind of struggled with that back and forth because she was a real person and you're trying to like tell a story. And I know Francesca Woodman is a real person. So I think that I would just encourage students to be as like caring with whatever narrative they're dealing with as they can be. Um, and, you know, of course, if the person is living, get their actual consent to kind of explore their life too because it's their life but but yeah i think i think i hope i hope we see a lot more of this going forward yeah that's fascinating that idea of like even even if they've passed like trying to i don't know like (laughs) be open enough that that could feel okay you know because it is it's probably i mean did you find that it was primarily a feeling like you you were at peace um with moving forward with the project uh after sort of struggling with it like there was a moment where you were like i feel like lizzie's fucking cool with this and <laughs> I, can I hope move, so move <laughs> yeah i mean um with my own words and i think that candace will seems to do this too i i tried not to say anything that i felt like lizzie borden wouldn't say so i i was definitely like careful with the research i wasn't trying to spin anything in such a way where i mean i have my own opinions of lizzie borden but in the collection i try not to spin it in a direction where you know lizzie definitely did it or lizzie definitely didn't do it or whatever um because it's not really my story to tell but interestingly i was um I've been really into uh, clairvoyance lately. So I went to a psychic retreat last, it was like two weeks ago now. It was like a weekend Zoom retreat with a bunch of psychics. And um, we did like practice readings on each other. And consent was one of the major things that came up like over and over again. And they kind of said, um, the psychic mediums that were there, they sort of talked about how, you know, if someone is passed, you kind of have license to tap into 
their life force or their narrative or whatever, um, as long as, of course, you're being like respectful of it. So that was kind of validating, too, in both regards, like that there is sort of this universal understanding that it's OK, just be respectful. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. <laughs> that, that kind of fascinates me. That's like uh, Neil Gaiman does some stuff with that in The Sandman a little bit. And I, I find that to be just like that was like really intriguing parts for me was when he's messing with that <laughs> idea, that whole premise. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, what do we think? Final final thoughts on the on the collection? Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. we pretty well wrung it out. It's good stuff. Yeah, as, as Kaylee said, you, some of these, you know, you can certainly be in a poem for quite some time. Yeah. So I, I, I was trying to be constant with my notes to make sure that we were able to move and not get get hung up because <laughs> I still I have like three in here. <laughs> I already have, but I don't want to. It'll just it'll derail us pretty significantly. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Daniel, did you have a, yeah. a, a final thought that you were going to throw out? Yeah, I'm definitely going to like revisit this and spend more time with it, especially like as I get more acquainted with Francesca Woodman, which which is cool because it's like a two for one here, which is uh which yeah. is great. Um, and one of my notes I made uh, last night as I was falling asleep, uh, Candice Ruel seems like too good of a poet to not capitalize her fucking eyes. Oh, I don't capitalize my eyes either, so well, <laughs> that's it. Damn! <laughs> the fiction and clearly, writer. I mean, Kaylee dis- displayed very well that she knows poetry better no. than all of us combined. No. So, and okay. Daniel's like, capitalize your eyes, bro. Capitalize the eyes. I was actually, I was, it's funny, too, because that's one of my first notes is I, I wonder if this is also a choice that's meant to to mimic something like sometimes um you know if something isn't capitalized if everything's in in lower case there's a a certain time period it's it's talking about um you know an adolescence of sorts or something like that so i didn't know if that was being uh done and then i kind of didn't think about it again but I'm, <laughs> i see it was a major sticking point it's them. a valid point <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know i i feel like my best way to like sum it up is is sort of like how how it appeared to me but i think kaylee you're mentioning of like how the time worked um and what that was all all about really really brought it together for me well so i'm not going to add anything more to that yeah i guess uh, on my end just from you know like i said not being the best with poetry but being if i can get swept up in the language and the, the imagery then I think I, I can say, okay, this is good and this works for me. And, and this definitely did that. And I'm, uh, I'm certainly better off having listened to Kaylee and, and Nick speak about it because I was like a slobbering <laughs> fool when I came. I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. You got to look at some of uh, Woodman's photographs, man. Mm-hmm. It, it really was, that really was the thing yeah. that pushed me over mm-hmm. the edge. Absolutely. Yeah. Understanding that, that was really helpful. Definitely. Yeah, thank you all for reading this. Yeah. This was it was awesome to kind of parse it out. Oh, thank you for the for the choice. Yeah, yeah. like I said, yeah, it, was it really wouldn't good. have um, it wouldn't have crossed our our eyes probably otherwise. So I was really glad for it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, most definitely. And like you said, it's amazing to think about placing people in different time periods. Like if you were to just pin Francesca to now, mm-hmm. like oh my god, yeah. what what. And I think that's that's something about art that's really fascinating is like the art that's lasting is lasting for a reason. Like you could put it in any t- 
time period and it would still ha- be impactful and it would still move people. Yeah, um, definitely. I think that does that. And we'll see if this collection does it in the fu- you know in the future because it's when did this came out very recently correct i think for this year i want to say um yeah 2020 yep. yeah 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 absolutely mm-hmm. good the stuff most miserable year of yeah. years <laughs> 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 i have a uh i have a mask of uh jean ralphio uh saying <laughs> 2020 is the <laughs> which I, I love that <laughs> which I thought was super funny <laughs> love john ralphio <laughs> yeah yeah oh he's, he's the best <laughs> Let's jump into the record. This is Purity Rings 2012 album Shrines, um, which I found myself making so many connections um, to various things that came out around that time. And then I realized, wow, I listened to a ton of music at that time because there's so many bands that um, were like putting out stuff right then that I was like, oh, this sounds like this. This, this." I mean, 2010 to 2012, I think, is its own little genre. Um, own little piece of time where there was a particular sound. Uh, and this this definitely fits in there. It's on one end of it for sure. So, Kaylee, um, are you a big Purity Ring fan? Is this uh, one of your one of your jam again? Yeah, I think uh, this is probably my, at least my recent all-time favorite album. I listen to it like every day. So, big fan. Mm-hmm. Wow, nice, <laughs> nice. So, um, to me, my initial reaction was... Uh, this is this is something that's way less dancey than like a passion pit um, or I think I mentioned earlier like Empire of the Sun it do you know tiny feet does anybody know tiny feet did I mention that before no no oh, sorry next like all right uh, he's like I listened to the promise ring <laughs> Oh, you're laughing about the promise ring still? No, I listened to the promise oh, ring. Oh, you listened to them. Dude, I had a buddy. Is that why you've been laughing this whole time? Yeah, I listened to the wrong fucking record. <laughs> oh, my God. And you God. made the same mistake I did. Oh, my God. I was just saying it. I listened to the I right know. Album. I was like, yes, I got it right. Fucking A. And then I was like, wait a minute. He, that's uh, the wrong album. Is it promise album. ring like that emo band? Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. like this shit. This is good. <laughs> this is this is way different. Yeah, um, and I would say markedly better. Uh, so <laughs> that's hilarious. I had a buddy who loved the Promise Ring. Yeah, um, man, they were good band. <laughs> back in the day. Oh wow. Let me double check now to see what I listened to. So, <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. If you okay. haven't listened, Kaylee especially, since you really like Purity mm-hmm. Ring, um, Tiny Feet is like a little bit. You know how Purity Ring has, you have that real low synth and then you have that sort of high organy synth Mm -hmm. and they're working together with that like dynamic. Um, Tiny Feet is like that, but like cut out the higher end synth and make it a little more droney, a little more experimental. Oh, cool. Nice. I think you'd Mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. It's, um, I'll I'll, uh, say something. It it reminded me of this a ton because I was trying to think of the name and this band from like the seventies in the South. Mm -hmm with like Dixie and every title of their song kept popping up because Tiny F-E-A-T is like the name of the band. But this was like a neuro Tiny Feet um, is the one I was thinking of. And they're really close to this. So I kept thinking that. And then I, at the end I landed, I was like, all of the bands I just thought of are like the illegitimate, like weird offspring of Bjork. And I, I was like, this is this is reminding me of a Bjork pretty, pretty significantly. So um other initial reactions what do we what do we got um so kaylee in the immortal words of meatloaf (laughs) 
two out of three ain't bad. You got a good, you pick, you pick a good poetry collection. You're so goddamn oh, wow. critical. And the pumpkin is a really good beer. <laughs> so Yeah, it's it's weird. My little sister, so I share like everything with her and we'll be in the car and I put this on all the time and she'll go, okay, this literally hurts my ears. Like she hates it that much that she like won't That's listen funny. to it. But I love it. I don't know. <laughs> here's, here's my initial thoughts after listening. Uh, this sounds like something that would be on the house system at Claire's Boutique while shopping for a cute scrunchie or friendship bracelet. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're a monster. Or a promise ring. Well, I'm glad that we didn't do promise ring because D- Daniel's comments would have been way worse. And I need to yeah. I need to just go on the record that I'm a fucking grump this week. More so oh, than usual. I, that, so, As opposed to what? More so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering how everybody was going to be feeling. Uh, and I didn't even think about it when we scheduled this, that this would be like the first full week of school and the absolute end of it. I'm having a blast, though. Uh, and I frankly expected Daniel's comments a thousand percent. So I probably just should have sent Kaylee like a message like, hey, Daniel's probably not going to like it. <laughs> no, yeah. it's fine. Kaylee, if you've never, anytime I pick an album. <laughs> Daniel will either say one of two things. The first being, this is the best album I'll never listen to <laughs> that's again. True. That's, true. that's true. Or yeah. he will rattle off 10 horribly nasty things about something I really like. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> for, the, for the latter and the record, though, he's usually, in those cases, he's probably right. <laughs> I actually, I like your review of it. I think it's fair. I would listen to it in a Claire's picking out a scrunchie or whatever. Like, that's okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what did you think, Gregorio? Um, I like the promise ring a lot. Um, oh, that's right. They were In like the three seconds of... you said it, I forgot that you yeah. didn't listen to the correct. <laughs> yeah. My bad. Um, no, but as far as the promise ring goes, you know what I mean? <laughs> really good for its time. 2002, really solid. Um, they were like the brand new before brand new was brand new. Brand new is a little harsher, though. Brand, oh, new, brand new's got some. That first record, though, was, was a promise ring record. Okay. Well, we're not going to talk about purity. promise ring anymore. We're talking about purity ring. Um, you asked. Right. You're right. So <laughs> can, let me know if, if this is kind of accurate, because I'm trying to put some sort of idea out there to the listener to see if they want to check it out. We can relate it to a million bands, but all the bands we're relating to are kind of different, and they don't necessarily paint a clear picture. So mine was, and this is the connection to the theme as well, is there throughout all the songs, you, it is an album. Because it's meant to be, in my opinion, it's meant to be listened to as an album. I I don't necessarily think that you're supposed to be listening to individual tracks here. I think it's like one, and it's not like post-rock, like uh, Explosions or Mogwai or or a Do Make Say Think album where, or Cigarettes where, you know, there's this continuance. But there's this panning, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, where it's literally like almost this trip hop kind of these fades and breaks mostly on that low end synth do you know what i'm saying where it's I like do, yes. this warbling and and shut up and and uh <laughs> and and almost like a breakbeat but on a synthesizer instead of the drums um and i thought that was pretty wild because that to me um just reminded me and the panning of uh 
the long ex- what a long exposure does and how it sort of distorts and it and it it would do that over a little bit of time and that was the connection for me uh, among all these is um long exposure the photographs <laughs> what she's doing in the in the the book to kind of mimic it and with these these songs every song has that every song has it where the the low end synth is getting this sort of like like that right i can't fucking not do it with my mouth because it's the only way to replicate it without doing some copyright infringement or shit so that to me was the thing that really stuck out um because it's in every it's in every song it's like the thing the super high uh female voice and then the the super low contrasting it uh synth that's kind of like warbling in and out yeah yeah, I don't know anything about music. Um, I'm like a lyric girl, I guess. But that definitely made a lot of sense. <laughs> and yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I, I just like, it, they kind of remind me the songs of like anxious nursery rhymes. Like they're like very like childlike. Ooh, but at the same time, like the lyrics are like really disturbing. Like there's a line about like cutting holes in your eyelids so you can see people while you sleep. And um you know, I'm obviously all God about damn. that and, uh, you know, <laughs> anything gory. So, yeah. And I think the music like it complements that for sure. It's also very like I call it like sparkly, but I don't think that's a technical term at all. <laughs> but it's it's like glittery music, I guess. So wait. So so cutting your eyelids off is like what the mood of that for you is sparkly and like like uplifting. <laughs> but. <laughs> You know what's funny is like, do you ever hear the ant word, the South African yeah. rap yep. group, right? And so you know how Yolandi has that real high pitched voice, and then she's singing the most, I mean, just fucked up raps, you know, that you could possibly Brutal. imagine. But then there's this really, there'll be these really pretty and and lilty sort of choruses, <laughs> like <laughs> you my butter, like all that kind of stuff. And then she's talking about like you know really brutal sex and shit like that and um it, it's so funny that you said that because i'm like oh that's where that voice that's what that fucking voice was reminding mm-hmm. me of because it's so high pitched but the lyrical content like you said is is, is kind of nutty <laughs> um and so like that combo i was like where where do i know and it's yolandi that was my <laughs> so that's my last connection there is yolandi from deant word <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, it's good. I like the last song, Shuck. That's my favorite. That's actually what got me hooked. And that's like about like cutting someone up in a shed and like putting your light inside of their body. And um, I just I love the contrast of I'm a big horror fan, obviously. But I love when you can kind of contrast like horror with like very, um, you know, kind of overtly feminine and like childlike images at the same time, because it's like you're listening to it and you're like kind of getting into it and you're not thinking that like something horrible is being said until you're like well wait a minute that was really dark and like horrible <laughs> yeah, yeah you're getting tricked yeah yeah it's a, yeah i i uh i agree and and shuck i had two songs that stood out for me shuck was one of the ones that i really want to put on one of my mindfulness mm-hmm. playlists because the music is is just that and if you're not really listening like if you're yeah not really listening to the lyrics so much you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily pick up on that at mm-hmm. first, but that that to me was actually kind of like a really um, relaxing and sort of meditative song. But then, you know, you know, hearing what you how you describe the lyrics of the song and the title of "Shuck" is 
particularly violent. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like two minutes. I think it's like only two minutes long or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Is that really? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, what was my other one? Uh, I don't know if anybody else liked this one. I think it was Bella. Oh, uh, Belly Speak. Yeah. Belly Speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that yeah. one. That was, for me, that was the group. And it is a group, right? Like it's, it's a, a like a duo. There's like a yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, that was like all the best elements of the group uh, in one. Like that was coming together really nicely. I thought that that was uh, probably the the standout for me. It was really good. Like I kept listening back to that one. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like that that <laughs> that whole aesthetic is is it's like it's jarring because it catches you off guard you don't see it coming it's great it's like such a wonderful use of one's tool like that woman can't help but have that high-pitched voice mm-hmm. but she's gonna fuck you up yeah. it, great. <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> that's what's happening for sure. yeah i frankly it's funny because um and perhaps you have a different opinion the the songs did really it felt like one song mm-hmm for a lot of it except for those two songs that i just noted like the end really stands out and that um belly speaks sp- stands out and i think that one's like towards the middle maybe near the mm-hmm. end um and then chuck is of course the last one uh, and i i don't know if that was on purpose or not but it did there was a lot of like this feels like one big flowing thing um and it was much of the much of the same throughout and then those kind of stood out um for mm-hmm. me but yeah yeah i don't know what yeah Yeah, i think um on the wikipedia page it says something i didn't get this just from listening but i think it's interesting um i guess there's supposed to be like this kind of flowing narrative in this too where it's like a community of witches and they're like kind of killing off the men in the community to like thrive um which after you Uh know that you can kind of go back and like you can parse it out pretty easily but um but I thought that was interesting too, that they had like a clear narrative purpose with the album also. Yeah, that is cool. That makes more sense too with the way, like the way it's composed and kind of put together, mm-hmm. like that there is a concept there and it's meant to be sort of a singular piece. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Promise Ring does that shit too, right? <laughs> no, I don't think they went uh, full concept record, but I do love the idea of concept record. So it's nice. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, I guess Shrine's. If we're talking about like yeah that the occult in some way and mm-hmm. stuff like that, yeah. that's a cool way to flip it. Yeah, because shrines you usually think like that's where people run to to get away from the demon. <laughs> that's where they're safe. You know, they have the holy water and the cross, and that's certainly not going to be the case <laughs> <Yeah>. here <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Well, that's nice. when the demon reveals they're wearing some sort of fucking amulet that makes that shrine like. Yeah. Inert. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> yeah, for some reason I just thought of the crow. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe that last scene in the church. Who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, any, I guess final th- thoughts on the album. I, I, I really like. If you're into like that heavy synth. And um, yeah, getting getting fooled, then definitely uh, <laughs> give it a listen. So, um, Nick, I'm actually I'm surprised that you like the synth. It sounded not awesome, as far as <laughs> so. So yeah, I, that's uh, it's funny you say that. I, you know what gets me is, like, it's not that it, 
it needs to be like the 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 genuine uh mog synth you know and stuff like that i liked the contrast of the super 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 heavy with that volume pedal or whatever they had on it to make it stutter like that mm -hmm. i thought that was so cool and when it was done well i thought at times to be perfectly honest on the album it was um beaten up a little bit like it was a a, a trick that they kept using um, but when it was done well, it was it really, really hit, and it made the synth into a percussive instrument, which is the way I play it, and I really like right when that happens. So um, I guess my yeah. my thought on it is um, I I am fully aware of my state of mind right now. Uh, <laughs> You've made it clear. Yeah, I, I will. All the time, though. All the time. Easy though. now. <laughs> I will. What's the name of the last song, Kaylee? Where they're like, I want to look that up. Shuck. Shuck. Yeah. Shuck? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll put some headphones on. I'll listen to it. Dig the lyrics. Maybe that'll um, make me want to buy some um, hair ties or something. Oh, nice. Let me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Shuck, if, to be perfectly honest, Kayla, that's funny you said that that's the one you got into. If I were to show somebody the album that I wanted them to like like it and listen to it, that probably would be the one mm -hmm. I'd show them too. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's quick, but it's like... Yeah, it's easy to get into. Where the other ones, you really have to catch that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I'm harping on it, but that that um, real low synth, you have to catch it because if you don't, mm -hmm. you're not going to be into it. Mm -hmm. That's probably why I am it's hurting your sister's head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am still fascinated by the image of a human being being shocked. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> <laughs> like that is some gnarly stuff right there. <laughs> you know. It's a child. It's a child's chore in the summertime, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. Go oh. out to the shed. <laughs> I used to have to do it. You go in the shed. You get your paper bag. You know. You get the kid down the street. And you just <laughs> shock him. <laughs> you just open his ass. Up. <laughs> I mean, that's the cool thing about it is it's it's taking something that we all are very familiar with and really turn on its fucking head. Mm -hmm. Like the you know fairy tale is getting getting caught with that. You yeah. Know? It, it'll flip it on yeah. you. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I, I definitely think it connects. Um, they go, they go pretty well together. Uh, any other final thoughts on the on the album? Uh, the promise ring, nothing <laughs> feels good, is very good. I would recommend it. <laughs> and we are back. Let's jump into the beer. Um, Kaylee picked all of these. And we are topping it off with a uh, a beverage for the season, Southern Tears Pumpkin. Uh, it has become sort of like really common. But when it first came out, it was it was kind of a rarity. Tough to and get. And pumpkin beers were new. It's one of the first ones. In fact, I think uh, Southern Tear, correct me if I'm wrong, is now like the pumpkin beer brewery. I, That's like they have a number of them. Oh, I, I don't. Really? Oh, I don't know. I think they have their pumpkin and then their warlock. I think that's it. Oh, you know, no. Okay, uh, I'm lying. They do make. They have like four of they them. Make, five you're of right. Them, they do make a couple of versions of it. You're right. They have a nitro. Yep. Yeah. They Forgive have a me. Bunch. Forgive me. Um, I won't. <laughs> uh, but uh, so 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 we're aware. I'm going to give some of the stats here. Um, it's available, and just so for anybody that perhaps uh, did not know. Uh, Southern Tears been around for quite some time, uh, like 18 years. They were started in 2002, Lakewood, New York. Um, this is an imperial ale, 
We have availability August to October. ABV 8.6 uh, with a moderate 30 IB hues. <laughs> Daniel, what's IBU again? Uh, international bittering units. And 30, like, if we were to compare it to, let's say, a, um, I don't know, Lagunitas IPA, would that be around the same? No, no, because that's hoppier. The IBUs is um, what makes a beer hoppy. So the higher the IBUs, that's the higher the hops in kind of layman's terms. So so the Lagunitas would be higher in the BUs. Hoppier, yep. Got it. Yep. Um, so uh, with this, we have a pretty serious and... I would argue super delicious uh, flavor. Got some vanilla, some clove, some allspice. Your standard, your standard pumpkin pie things, except we got some pie crust in here as well. Oh, it's so good, right? Um, dude, it's a, the uh, it's the first one the that aroma? did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think coupling that with, I always used to stick my face in it when I get it at a bar. Um, especially when it first came out, because you're right. It was one of the first ones to really you could, just just really go all in on the pumpkin pie. Yeah, you put. Sh- and did so, they serve it in a dog dish for you, so you could just put? <laughs> Dude, I mean, why not? After three of these, I'd be drinking it out of a fucking dog dish for sure. Um, like that's not even a question. One of the most remarkable but, uh, things about it is when you did put your nose in it. When you pulled it back out, there was actually whipped cream on your nose. <laughs> it's magic yeah. and that's why kaylee chose it i think because we, we've, we've crossed over into another realm of just pure magic um but yeah it's got some and madness <laughs> buttery crust vanilla roasted pecans all these different aromas so uh let's take a sniff and and then we'll uh we'll take a drink cheers. everybody cheers oh yeah jesus uh, like how do they do it you know, Alchemy. the crust, that's the thing that gets me every single time. Like, how do you get, I've made beer. H- how do you get buttery crust? It's probably like, the beer. it's probably like calcified cockroach legs or something. <laughs> Christ. Daniel, there's a line. <laughs> and I'll be perfectly honest. Enjoying a beer after the end of a long fucking week <laughs> is the line, sir. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking about that. <laughs> and you know what? I'm probably right. On the website, I saw pictures of the facility. Not a roach to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got a good brewery cat, you know, you're going to be free of all sorts of things. That's true. I don't want a brewery cat either. <laughs> <laughs> most, <laughs> you get face. out of here. Sorry, Dude, Nick. I, get out sorry, of here. Most, so disgusting. My cat vomit smells oh, like... Death. Most breweries have a brewery cat. Just hate to break Most it. Most breweries do have a brewery cat. Um, Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> How many of these did you already have, dude? I've only had three of them. <laughs> uh, so what's our what's our initial? I always get the crust right off the bat. I get the crust and the clove, mm-hmm. uh, and and then like that sugary thing that mixes them together. Um, anybody getting any, any different off the off the bat here? Well, I'm drinking the Warlock, which is their um, Imperial Pumpkin Stout version. Right. So it's so that's a little more mellow. Um, I'd say it's it's like a roasty version because yeah. the color's not wildly different than what you guys have. There, you have a nice deep amber hue, I guess. Yeah, it's it's still an ale. Yeah. It's not a golden ale, but yeah. it's it's still an ale, so it's lighter yeah. for and sure. And this is definitely like a you know, light for a stout. Yeah, that's true. But the yeah. the smell's almost the same. 
That's remarkable. That is, especially given the maltiness of that puppy. Well, you know I'm a maltman. Um, Kelly, are you a, are you a big uh, beer drinker? Um, big? I'll drink. So I have like the most unrefined palate probably in the world. So I'll just drink like whatever's around. Um, I saw pumpkin. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I saw pumpkin and I was all about it. I can taste the pumpkin, so it gets an A for that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You did what you said you yep. did. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty much the extent of it. I like the label a lot. I think they did a good job on the design work on the label. <laughs> can you please write that I review and be your advocate? <laughs> yeah. <no>. yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about the label enough, I don't think. <laughs> That's all I look you at. Really I'm like, if it has label. a good label, I really wanted, I was going to suggest this, but Rosemary's Baby, I had a few years ago, and it has like the Rosemary's Ooh. Baby, like pram on the label, um, but I don't think they make it anymore. So, but this works too. Pumpkin is, is a good label also. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Southern Tier has a very cool aesthetic. It's almost like they have like a family crest or shield as their mm -hmm. sort of emblem, which I think is pretty cool. I, I, it's funny, man. You're, you're right. I'll go to Foodery and I will get swayed by a label a lot. There's like a nautically themed beer brewery and I get, they, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. So I'm not like singling one out. Not that they, you know, they care, but um, there is one that it's, it's not good. And I get tricked so often and I keep buying it and I'm like, oh, maybe this one will be all right. And every single time it's not, I'm just, I'm just completely taken by the label. It's like candy corn. You always think it's going to be good. No one ever. I don't think it's ever going to be good ever. <laughs> I'm just quoting. You know who does? Our fan. Our fan loves candy corn. In fact, he judges yeah. his students by if they like candy corn or not. That is like for the rest of their tenure standard. at our school. He'll be like, this is what I think of you because of your opinion <laughs> on Candy Corn. Are we talking about Eric? Who else is our There's fan? There's the only one. Oh, yeah, we have a fan. <laughs> he's the, he's All the fan. All oh, the fans. I don't know if I could have loved him anymore, but yeah, I'm a big Candy Corn man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It doesn't taste like it. It tastes like goo. Nah. Kelly, do you like candy corn? I, it's another thing. Like if it's around, I'll eat it. But I don't have like a strong <laughs> opinion either way. <laughs> Just put whatever in front yeah. of me and I'll eat it pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, oh, man, I'm very glad that I only bought um, a few of these. Yeah. And I didn't buy the case as I originally intended. <laughs> so because. It would have went so south so quickly. <laughs> I used to, I used to buy a case of this back in like 2009, 2010 when it first, um, I guess, exactly. kind of came to market. You had to put your special order in. You got a case, um, yep. and they'd sell out. You know, if the distributor got them, they only had them for a little while. Um, Dude, I know this was when this came out. It was Jill's favorite beer, and that was when I just introduced her to beer. Yeah, she only drank vodka before that. Yeah, so I introduced her to beer. This was it. High alcohol, and I would do the exact same thing. And what I'd recommend that if you're the type of person that wants to get a case, put a couple of those bottles away because the year later, oh, it really kind of mellows out super, super nice. Um, yeah. But then it being 8.6, it's super dangerous as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, Dude, going to the bar and, and being like psyched for a show and having a couple of these with the adrenaline and then being in the show and then – having a couple more after your day is a whirlwind. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, 
I think I think we've put enough disclaimer out there. The people will be more than cautious when drinking this beer because they should be. It's too delicious. <laughs> yeah, because if you, if you have if you have the third one, you need to make sure that you <laughs> you made your dinner already. You're gonna burn your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who hasn't had this by now? It's pretty ubiquitous. Like it's yeah. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd agree. It is ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago, I think probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, um, Ellie and uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, we went out and then we bought... Ev- Those are weird names. <laughs> <laughs> we bought every pumpkin beer we could find. So uh, it was probably about a dozen or so. Um, and we were doing blind tastings. Ellie was in charge and she brought them all to us and we all drank them blind and wrote down our notes which one we thought was whatever and uh pumpkin clear winner really but you know you know which one it is like right away as soon you as you smell with it that that's such a great that's such a great uh uh way to begin a conversation about pumpkin beers yeah you brought that out a little late there fan fan's not going to be listening to this <laughs> by now <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> i kid i kid do you guys remember, and I'm going to keep saying it, I know I've said it probably a million times, um, but Michelob used to have a winter warmer kind of beer. Mm-mm. Do you remember that one? Mm-mm. It had, um, and the reason I say it, because it's another thing they were able to infuse a very weird flavor and make it really good. They had a uh, roasted marshmallow in it. Ooh. Ooh, that sounds good. And so, it, yeah, it had roasted marshmallow and like a marzipan type flavor. Um, with the sort of like maltiness of a of a stout, and it had this. The only reason I remember it was again to tie it together was the label. There was a snowman with like these Secret of the Ooze green gloves on, and that was the only way I could pick it out because otherwise it was a very innocuous label. But the green gloves were so bright and like toxic looking um, that I would grab it, and oh man, that was so delicious. That was like a fantastic, and it was again, it was like this with the crust. Like how do you? fucking get it in there man my cat's name is marzipan and she just like perked up when you said marzipan (laughs) oh really (laughs) she was like what i love do you um do you guys know those i think they're german uh uh um chocolates that break into the little squares and they have the dark chocolate marzipan inside. Oh, that sounds good. I've never had oh that. Oh my god. That sounds really good. Yeah, it's a weird brand. I forget what it's called, but they have like like literally cornflakes in chocolate mm. and they have the one with marzipan, they have one <laughs> with hazelnut, like whole hazelnuts. Oh man, it's like uh it's pretty ritzy chocolate. <laughs> I uh you know. I think they sell it at ShopRite, you know. You got to you got to really you got to go go looking for it. It's an international I d- delight. I do love your jersey pronunciation of chocolate chocolate i've never gotten rid of it so, I, it's awesome it again? fucking what 32 years in pennsylvania i still say chocolate <laughs> i can't say i'm not even trying at least you don't say water yeah, t- water say- i think i say water, water. yeah, yeah water. Good. i do good. say weird stuff like rough and brum i don't know where that's from like brum like broom yeah i don't know like rough you know i just said that what it- <laughs> I've had some beer, man. Yeah. On. Uh, chocolate's the only the only Jersey one that's stuck around. Mm. It's, it hasn't left me. It just it refuses to go. Kaylee, are you from Jersey? I well? am. Or yeah, no? Burlington County. I so. Yep. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, I am. Um, I am from New Brunswick. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I moved it's more the center, I guess. Middlesex County. Gotcha. So not too far off. Then that's cool. One of my earliest memories, my Slovakian grandmother. 
uh, came down to Jersey. She was in Hazleton and she was staying at my grandparents' house where I was. And uh, I was refusing to brush my teeth. And um, she was like, this is just the pinnacle of absurdity. <laughs> you don't want to brush your teeth to keep them in your head. You fucking idiot. And so she's like arguing with me. And it was my great grandmother. She's very old. And um, she's speaking to me like she's like broken English and whatever. And I'm like not understanding. And then she just looks at me. I, I'll never forget. She goes, this is what happens when you don't brush your teeth and removed her whole mouth <laughs> and went like this with the teeth. And I leapt. My father claims it was at least seven to 10 feet backwards <laughs> from standing into his arms. Uh, Cause I was absolutely terrified. And I think I only saw her one other time and she <laughs> brought me <laughs> to her house. This is just really macabre stuff. She, she, that's why I'm sharing it. She brought me uh, to the basement of her house, which uh, had stacks of tabloids like Bat Boy and, you know, National Enquirer and stuff to empty all the rat traps when I was four. And so we went down there and she and I emptied all the rat traps, big dead rats, Hazleton, Pennsylvania mountains. Those are and, those uh, are two threw, great threw memories. Them in a shopping bag. And what's that? I said those are two great memories. If you're only going to have two. Like that's great. Yeah, they're two of my. I'd be perfectly honest too. They're like two of my earliest <laughs> ones. They're like the foundation of my knowing myself. It would be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, man, I'll never forget it. Uh, but pretty macabre and and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's this is a delicious beer. As Daniel said, if you if you haven't drank it yet, um, I don't. I don't know. Maybe you're not of age. That's probably it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there might, that might be the, the reason. Southern, Southern Tier does do a lot of really good stuff, too. They have a couple summer ones that I really enjoy, too. But I think they've leaned into their um, pumpkin crown. Yeah, and, they should. Um, That's their, uh, they should, yeah. Their they are pole. the Jack Skellington of uh, breweries. Yeah. And what, I don't know, on? bro. I don't yeah. know. I do like it, but... <laughs> now, Chamonix Creek has a beer called... Uh, if you would get that creek's dick out of your mouth for just a minute. Just a minute. Hey, whoa, that's <laughs> wild. That was a wildly you ridiculous. Love, everything's just flowing back into Neshaminy Creek. Dude, I'm going there right you now. As soon as we're so I'm fucking much. leaving and going directly there. No, make a comparison. Yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. I, I apologize. Oh, that was really kind it's, of you for really that. Wow. <laughs> the punkless dunkle anyway, is really they, good. The punkless dunkle is excellent. Yeah, it's yeah. another it's another uh, pumpkin wheat. Yeah, eight point eight percent. I don't like, like the donkeys though. Pie. Don't like the donkeys. It, it tastes like, like, like a pumpkin pie. It's all it tastes like. Yeah, but like it's the, straight the pumpkin um, pie. golden monkeys and shit. Like I don't I don't like the donkeys. Well, that's a triple. It doesn't taste like that. Well, that's a double. Is that a different? Yeah, you're thinking. Yeah, dunkle, you're th dunkles are way different. They're a, a darker variety. Yeah. Um. <laughs> 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 you get you get you get dunkled. You get definitely get dunkled. Yeah, I got I got yeah. I got dunkled on there. Yeah. Uh final yep. thoughts on the Southern Tier Pumpkin? Um Yeah. Drink um, it. Just drink it. It's goddamn delicious. I will say, as I've gotten to the bottom, um the crust le the crust leaves you. It's a it's a reverse pie. You get the crust first, and then and then you're met with sort of the spice at yeah. the end. Um, 
So that that's my only Super comment. That might have been just because I like threw it upside down into the freezer, so I wouldn't have to open the fridge. Make sure you oh, make sure you lick pie. that whipped cream off your nose, though. That's the last bit of it. Yeah, the magic. Yep. That's the magic. I imagine you eating a piece of pumpkin pie like the the stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut, just like <laughs> crust first. <laughs> like, what a weirdo! Why is he doing that? Why did he do it like that? <laughs> Give us, uh, give us your your sad or your preferred autumnal movie. Okay, favorite autumn movie. I'm gonna have to say I always like a spoopy movie in the fall. So I'm a big fan of uh, Coraline or Paranorman. I know that's already two. Um, also, one of my favorite movies is unfortunately uh, Rosemary's Baby. I just think it's a great film. Uh, I definitely struggle with it because of Roman Polanski being a horrible person. Um, but for the time being, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely the one that I rewatch the most often. Right on, yeah. We uh, we had a pram growing up, and my mom was like mocked by the other women in the neighborhood for pushing a pram because everybody had like a stroller in the '80s, like a big metal steel thing. She had a pram, and I remember we were taking a walk with my younger sister, and we rolled over the sewer grate, and there was like ten children with their fingers reaching out of the sewer grate at us when we were rolling over it just to I don't freak us out, I guess. Like the older kids in my neighborhood used to crawl through the sewers all the time and they used to show up in random places and to freak people out. And I, I'll never forget that. From? And my mom like was this close to cursing them out because when she got scared, she didn't like jump or anything. She was just ready to fight somebody, and she like looked down, and I saw her lift her foot like she was gonna crush the kid's fingers, and they were like not even. It might have been middle school, maybe a little bit younger, um, yeah. and uh, and then she was like, "Where are your parents?" And then we rolled away. Um, but this was Pennsylvania, actually. This was once we moved. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. I used to hang out in the sewers and yeah. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that when you said you said pram earlier. Shit. That made me think of that made me think of that Rosemary's Baby. Daniel, what's your autumnal pick for flick. for a beer flick pick. beer movie? What's your flick pick? Flick pick a flick for autumn. Um, you don't have an autumn pick. This is my favorite season, brah. Uh, Come on, um, grabbers. Look at the. I got a, I got a whole autumnal tattoo. No one can see that. No one can see that. <laughs> not on the fucking. I'm not expecting. No one can see it. I'm not expecting Doesn't listeners count. to see it. I'm expe- I'll be sharing it with my friends. Oh. Um, every October, Ellie and I watch Grabbers. Ooh, what's that? It's an. Is that like rubber? It's an Irish um, horror movie, and it's it's done really well. Has have anyone seen Grabbers? Mm-hmm. So these aliens, alien like squids or whatever monsters, they land on this island. Off the coast of Ireland. Ireland? Yeah. Okay. But off the coast of Ireland. And it starts eating people, but the only way uh, to combat it, it doesn't like people that are drunk because of the alcohol. So the only way <laughs> they can fight That's it fantastic. is if they just get wasted so they can fight it. So. <laughs> That's such a great connection. You should have been last. Great. Oh, that's such a great connection because then you could just say, and if you drink 14 pumpkins... The grabbers cannot oh, grab you. Yep. Yeah, you'll be free. Gregorio, what's your what's your autumnal treat in the flick category, Mister Four Thousand Movies a Month? I do love Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> oh, um, 
I love I that didn't one. expect but I also, that. Such a good yeah, one. It's a great one. But I also I do love um, the village. <laughs> By yeah, dude. Yeah, I love is... the village. I wrote a story when I was a little kid. It was very similar to the village. And then when the village came out, I was like, son of a bitch. You know what? I, 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 I love that everybody hates the village and they're like, I totally saw that ending coming. No, the fuck you did it. <laughs> no, the fuck you did it. Yeah, like you're a, a fucking liar. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, um, I watch, even though it's not particularly autumnal, I of course watch great pumpkin, but I feel like that's a given. Um, I'll watch uh, River Runs through it. Oh. For some reason, that's a, that's an autumnal go-to for me. Yeah, um, it makes me wistful. I love it. I'm read. I just I just <laughs> ordered um, a Norman McLean reader. It's like his collected writings that weren't published. Working my way through. So you now. you're you're claiming to have seen uh, a River Runs Through It, and yet you still said Norman McLean. Yeah, that's correct. Instead of. McLean, well, which is how it's pronounced. I, I was <laughs> in I, I was pronouncing it like the uh, like the old like the Scott the old Scots. Was. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Awesome. All right, this was a blast. Um, but Kaylee, I wanted to give you a moment because um, you have a project that it's on its on its way. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. So. Forever House is my newest collection. It's coming out from White Stag Publishing. It was actually supposed to be out um, early last year, but, um, you know, everything with COVID happened, or early 2020, rather. Um, but everything with COVID, you know, happened, and the printers got stalled. So it's um, coming out. I'm not supposed to say this yet, but we're aiming for a Halloween release date, hopefully. Um, so I'm really excited. It's about folklore and hauntings and Bloody Mary and kind of like this tour of the afterlife as a folklore. Um, and I'm especially excited because Caitlin McCormack, who is one of my favorite artists in general, um, but also a local art artist in Philly, um, she did the cover um, and it's really creepy. It's amazing. So I'm, I'm really glad to have it. And her work in general, um, you know, is incredible. If you check out her website, she does a lot of cool stuff with sculpture and crochet. Um, and if you are someone who enjoys death industrial complex and purity ring and the things that we talked about tonight, I think you would absolutely enjoy her work. So definitely check that out. That cover is dope, man. That was the thing that drew me. I I saw that and I was like, oh shit, did somebody make like fucked up Cabbage Patch Kids? Like, is this like wild ass garbage pail Cabbage Patch Kids on the front? All right, Dan, you got your rating system for us? All right, go on a trip with me, guys. We are going into an antique shop and we pass over the never ending story because right. no one's got time for that. <laughs> it never ends. Uh, don't let the sadness take you. You pick up uh, an old photo book, and it's full of haunted daguerreotypes. So that's where we're at. Um, I okay. And let's say it's got thirty. You've you've set a scene. Let's say it's got thirty pages. I don't know how many uh, pages a photo album has. Um, so we'll say this one's got thirty. I give Death Industrial Complex twenty. Seven haunted daguerreotypes out of 30. I give um, Purity Ring zero 
haunted daguerreotypes. They're just like Polaroids that somebody just like th forgot about. <laughs> Not haunted. I didn't think you've ever given anything a zero. That's wild, man. And up for uh, listen, I'm up, it's up for revision. <laughs> up for, We're at, we are talking haunted daguerreotypes here. I mean, come on. And I give the pumpkin um, 15 out of 30 haunted daguerreotypes just because um, I think it is delicious as it is. Maybe it's a little played out, but I'm still going to have one every year. Your rating system is wildly. I'm fucked up today. Just like, yeah. Just yeah, dude, this is a, this is a, this is just really a, a, a shocking to me. Huge bummer. <laughs> <laughs> How did you make your voice so little, Nick? Huh? You like were like like quietly in the background, like a tiny yeah, yeah. man Huge in a box man. kind of thing. <laughs> right, who's, who's, uh, I'll go next. I'll go next. Um, Haunted daguerreotypes. Uh, you love Pose so much because I know that's the the daguerreotype you're thinking of right now is is Pose like wacky fucking Irish ass hair. <laughs> um, I give. <laughs> Death Industrial Complex. Oh, dude, it's so good. Uh, yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it twenty-eight haunted daguerreotypes. Um, I will give Purity Ring Shrines twenty-five haunted daguerreotypes, and I give the Palm King uh twenty-seven daguerreotypes. Because the one thing you did say that was legit was it is a little played out, and Nick's not wrong in that there are uh pretty serious competitors for the pum king's crown crown yeah i still think it's the best that's just my personal rating yeah but you rated a fucking 15 how do you think something's the best and give it half that's like oh jim your story was the best in the class d Did you get it <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 not even a D. It's like an F minus. It's because it's a fifty. It's derivative. It's fucking fifty. It's derivative. How can it be derivative of itself? <laughs> it's derivative of a pumpkin it's pie. It's the original. You just said you had to put in special orders because it was the fucking original. It's it's fucking it's playing itself after playing itself after being the thing first. Gee, all right. Somebody go. All right, I'll uh. I will give um, so I'm gonna give the book uh, 25 out of 30 daguerreotypes because <laughs> they're I, haunted. Next. Yeah, haunted. Excuse me, <laughs> only because um, uh, again, I'm not the best poetry reader, and I have to admit that every time I read. You know what I've been I doing did, in I my community? Like. In my community meetings with the students, we've been pointing out that kind of negativity and say, "Don't disparage yourself," right? No well, negative. I don't feel like I'm disparaging be, myself. I think I'm being honest with y'all. Well, you're honest. saying like I'm not the best, but you're better than some, you say. In my, you know, what I mean, like be positive, with the positive, man. Don't tear yourself down. You know damn well that's not my personality. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give the promise rings. Nothing feels good. Ten out of ten. Emo <laughs> tears cried into a pillow. Um, uh, the so, mistake is made. Just bangs. pure comedy. Yeah. Um and. You know, pumpkin. That that's a thirty out of thirty, baby. Ooh, that's nice. easy. It's easy. It's a fantastic choice. You're damn right it is. Okay, yeah, I love. First of all, I love um, 
rating things using haunted daguerreotapes. That's amazing. Um, so Death Industrial Complex is without a doubt a 30 out of 30 for me. Um, I think, you know, it's amazing. Favorite poetry collection of the year. Um, definitely biased because I chose it. Um, Purity Ring Shrines. So I'm going to try to be a little bit more objective and I'll give it a 28.5 out of 30 um, beheaded daguerreotape, I suppose. <laughs> and um, the pumpkin beer, I am going to have to agree with Dan and I would give it a 15 out of 30 um, only because I wish it was more pumpkin-y. The alcohol is it, the alcohol does it can outweigh the pumpkin flavor at times. Yeah. Nicely done, good stuff. Nicely done, everybody. I uh, I had a blast. I love how um, you put you, you put us out of our comfort zones here, and in, in just about everything except for, of course, the pumpkin, but in just about all the other spaces. And I I I love that. I think that's 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 what this show's meant to do. Fantastic. Love having you on. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, I had such a blast. And um, everybody, uh, especially fan who's listening, definitely check out Kaylee's Avoir of Work. Um, and, of course, all the other recommendations that have uh, been strewn throughout the cast. There's such a good stuff that is um, about this very, very awesome and, and weird new genre that we're finding. And uh, perhaps we'll... Maybe we'll have uh, in the future some sort of like collective of it. We'll talk about just like all the things that are made in this way now. It's kind of wild to see it just grow like that. Excellent. Nick, you want to take us there? Sketch to uh, <laughs> Sketch. Yes, I will do that, Chief. Uh, um, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. Um, you can check us out on the social medias at facebook.com slash book record beer podcast on Twitter at book record beer and on Instagram at book dot record dot beer. We are streaming on iTunes. We're streaming on SoundCloud. We're not streaming. Are we streaming? <laughs> yeah, yes, dude. we're streaming. That's how those things work. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you guys stream it. Can't not stream it. Anyway, I'm going into Chamonix Creek Brewing because fuck Nick Mahalik. And <laughs> we'll see y'all next month for season five. Season I don't know where that used car five. salesman voice came from. Can you believe it?